0: guys and welcome to the podcast it's josh your favorite spiritual best friend ready to tell you guys why your chart has you thriving and sometimes just simply surviving we are going to talk about birth charts the moon how they're connected and why mercury and retrograde simply just sucks for everyone and boy does it suck We are all going to chat and maybe figure out why some signs are better than others, depending on the day. Have you guys heard about Anchor by Spotify as being the easiest way to make a podcast? Let me explain. It's free. Anchor has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Best of all, when even hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, like I said before, Anchor is totally free. So pick up your phones, laptops, or whatever you use, and download the Anchor app, or go to anchor.fm to get started. I hope to hear your podcast. Hey everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. This episode is a very special episode and will be considered a bonus episode for the podcast series. I got to interview host of Mental Illness Happy Hour, Paul Gilmartin. Paul was a former comedian and also talk show host. And with Paul, he really talked about his journey through rehab, through self-discovery, and also his sense of purpose in life. Paul also talked about relationships and really gave great advice when it comes to discovering yourself and also learning more about yourself when you are in relationships. But you can check out Paul's podcast again at Mental Illness Happy Hour, and it's a good one, guys. I definitely 10 out of 10 recommend. But like usual, before you guys can tune into this podcast, please like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Spotify. Your guys' likes and subscriptions would mean a lot to the podcast. But without further ado, here is my very special episode with Paul. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Your Spiritual Best Friend. I'm your host, Josh Sanchez, and I have a very special guest, a professional podcaster, Paul Gilmartin. Paul, tell everybody, how are you doing today and what's going on?
1: Uh, I'm doing good, Josh. Thanks thanks for having me on. Um, You know, just... uh Taking, taking care of business, doing all this shit I hate doing, you know, (laughs) meditating, yoga, uh, you know, cooking, all, all the stuff that the, the little kid in my brain is like, no, let's play video games. This is boring, but you know, I make myself do it because I know the quality of my life is, is better when I, when I do those things, but yeah, I'm just sitting here. I got my, uh cup of cold brew. That's like (laughs) the only vice I have left, (laughs) but I'm, I'm doing good.
0: Yeah. And I, and I must say, uh, I've listened to a lot of your podcast and I, I know like you've really spoke a lot about like mental health and stuff like that. And that really just leads me right to my first question where we can get this podcast rolling a little bit when it comes to like your podcast, what really like led to that and what really inspired you to do that?
1: Um, what led me to do it? I went off my meds, uh, even though my psychiatrist warned me. It was like in late 2010, and just bottomed out, got suicidal, and suddenly realized, oh my God, this is the depression. And I, and so I went back on my meds. Was better within days, and I thought, man, you know, I've been in therapy and under the care of a psychiatrist. I go, I go to support groups, and I got fooled by it imagine somebody out there that doesn't even believe therapy helps imagine what they are up against and i thought it's such a complicated topic it's not something you could do i believe on radio i think you need hearing people's unfiltered stories and, and I thought podcasting would be a great medium for that. And I, you know, I'm nuts. I know a lot of people that are nuts. And uh, really the template for it was support groups for me because I realized the power of somebody just sharing their story, not telling somebody, you know, what to do, you know, Dr. Phil barking at somebody that, you know, I suppose that has its place for some people, but I, I never really kind of, clicked with, with that and so that was kind of the inspiration for it and I didn't know if anybody would listen but I thought you know it would be fun to do and it might help it might help people and never imagined I'd do it for a living I was still doing TV hosting and stand up at that point but found out you know really like doing it and um, I just feel like it's where I'm supposed to be.
0: Yeah. And and that was a really spot on answer. You really talked about a lot. And when it comes to like getting in the podcasting and stuff like that. And just to add to your point, like I know for myself, when it comes to podcasting, it's very therapeutic for me. Like podcasting really just gives me an option where I can really just communicate with people. Like, for example, me and you, Paul, we're on two different sides of the country. I'm on the East Coast. In the Philadelphia region, whereas you're in the West Coast in California living and and I see the sunshine in the background, you know, so podcasting, just, just to add to your point, like it just gives you that like extra added platform and gives you that place to really just tell your stories and be honest. Whereas with radio, you have like a lot of like guidelines you have to follow. You have to be careful what you want to say and what you don't want to say. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to say that was a really spot on answer. And just building off of that a little bit, I know you mentioned that like you've done like stand up and you've hosted like TV shows as well. Talk to me a little bit when it came to that like what really led you to that aspect as well, and how did you really feel like hosting a TV show and also getting into like stand up and stuff like that
1: well I, it was always something as a kid that that I'd fantasized about uh, you know i i humor was something that. You know, kind of bonded me together with my classmates. I, I've always been drawn to people that are funny, um, but humor was also a coping mechanism for me as a as a kid. Um, and I just remember like watching back when The Tonight Show was like the thing. Um, I remember watching it, and everybody was laughing at the comedian, and I realized. I wasn't laughing at the comedian. I was enjoying them, but I was, I was like, wow, I'm studying them. Um, and I just always thought, wow, Johnny Carson just has the greatest job in the in the world. And uh, I, I wanted to do stand-up, but I was afraid to take that plunge. Um, so I took acting classes in college, changed my major to theater thought maybe I was going to be an actor but I wasn't really very good and uh, I was like I took some improv classes at Second City I thought you know maybe I'll get into the Second City troupe that didn't happen and I was like all right, guess it's time to overcome my fears and do stand-up and I'm and I'm glad I did because I've really enjoyed the autonomy of it and um, I didn't I wanted to be in TV, I didn't, I think a lot of comics back then, the the route that everybody kind of wanted to pursue was you get some notoriety as a stand-up and then they give you your own sitcom and you make 50 million dollars and you retire. Um, that wasn't in the cards for me but I did... Uh, Auditioned for a show called uh, dinner in a movie and, and uh, Was cast in it and was the co-host of it for its uh, Run of 16 years, uh, which I'm super super grateful for I realized that I, I Love the money of being on TV, but I did not like the creative compromise of it, and that's not to say that I didn't have fun. I didn't work. I worked with great people. Um, there were moments of tremendous creative freedom, but there were also a lot of moments of compromise that gave me a stomach ache. Um, you know, endorsing products that I didn't believe in. Um, And well, I I wasn't personally saying, "Oh, I love this product," but you know, reading an ad for, you know, Kraft macaroni and cheese and saying how nutritious it is, or you know, whatever garbage the copy was, um, it it um, it, you know, it was a mixed bag. And by the time the show went off the air, I'd been doing the podcast for about six months, and I just kind of realized. I don't care if I ever do TV again. I really like podcasting. I like not having to travel. I like having the autonomy of it. And I, I love talking about things that I'd always been either too afraid to talk about in my stand-up or couldn't find the laugh in it. and. I think I realized talking about those things in in podcasting, it was it was all this stuff that I always wanted to talk about without the pressure of having to come up with a joke. And that, you know, humor is definitely a part of the podcast, but it's not the driving force of it like stand up was.
0: Yeah, and, and I will say, like, as I'm here just hearing you like just describe like that journey from like stand up doing commercials as well that you didn't really agree with and stuff like that and discovering and finding podcasting, that's what is a great example that I really like to drive home when it comes to like this podcast as well, is just like this is like your own spiritual journey, what you're going through, you're you're learning through each experience something new, you know, and you're learning more about yourself. Like, hey, these are things that I do like. These are things that I don't like. And I know personally, like, I mean, right now I'm only 20, I'm 23 years old, you know, so like, I definitely have a lot more chapters to climb and a lot more hills and stuff like that to, to hurdle and go over and stuff like that. So, but at the end of the day, like, it's your life at the end of the day, you know, and definitely like hearing like a lot of your podcasts and stuff like that. I know you really get into like mental health and stuff like that. And this really leads to like my next question. Um, like I know when it comes to like men's mental health, I know through my own personal experience and my own family trauma that like we are really taught to really just like suppress our emotions, keep it inside and stuff like that. So just tell me a little bit about like your own personal experience with like Talking about mental health, I know you're a lot comfortable now, but you mentioned like there was a period where like you were struggling with like talking about mental health and what's going on in your own head. So whatever you're comfortable with sharing, the floor is yours when it comes to that, Paul.
1: Sure. Um, well, I I think the biggest hurdle for people in general, but probably especially men, is even understanding what you're feeling. Uh, I didn't understand what I was feeling if it wasn't rage or Euphoria uh, you know anything kind of in between uh, I just felt as a vague sense of emptiness or discomfort and part of that was untreated alcoholism but you know another part of that I think was uh, trauma that hadn't been processed you know numbing uh, myself uh, and self medicating was kind of my tool to 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 deal with that um, but as I you know, started doing therapy. And really when I started getting into support groups, um, I think is when I began to understand what I was feeling, because I heard other people sharing their stories. And I was like, yes, that's the word to describe what I'm feeling. Uh, And so as I began to, to share my story, and it's one of the reasons why I think support groups and journaling are so important, because when you have to form a sentence, to describe something, it makes you think about it more deeply than when it's just ping-ponging around in your brain as a general sense of um, dissatisfaction um, or pain or not wanting to get out of bed. Uh, You know, being able to find the words to describe why I didn't want to get out of bed was incredibly helpful. I'm kind of fortunate in that being in the arts, there's not the kind of stigma that there is in other professions, being vulnerable, talking about your feelings, talking about your addictions. Um, Everybody kind of knows that anybody that wants to get on stage and go, hey, look at me, is a little fucked up. So um, that's never really been a big hurdle uh, for me. I think the thing that was the most difficult to talk about was, you know, how creepy my mom was and, um, you know, the kind of sexual abuse that was under the radar, you know, that's called covert sexual abuse and emotional incest. uh, Because I felt like, oh, you're such a drama queen talking about this. And I think that's where men have a hurdle. I think women have it as well, I think all genders uh have it but men in particular it's not on people's radars that mothers can be you know sexually abusive on you know there's a continuum people tend to think oh your mom has to fuck you for it to be incest no it could be her talking about her sex life it could be you know the way she grabs you or touches you or you know uh not giving you privacy um a lot of you know turning you into her therapist um those were those were a lot of the the things that i experienced and yeah they were hard to talk about at first because it's hard it's hard enough to say this happened to me but especially hard to say a parent did it to me
0: yeah and i will say like i really i really thank you and appreciate you being so comfortable with talking about this and stuff and i can definitely say like a lot of people and i've learned this through a lot through like my own personal experience like when it comes to like your mother's influence on you as well it whether that's emotionally like you said like Mothers really impact their children, you know, and and I'll disclose some things when it comes to my mother as well. She uh she has lived her life. She has bipolar disorder. She was diagnosed a couple years ago, but she's always lived with that. So with that, like it's just going through like an emotional roller coaster when it comes to peaks and valleys. Like around Christmas time, it, like she gets like this mania period where she always has to like buy so much stuff to fulfill the need of like her not really taking care of us during the During like the year and stuff like that And like I'm the oldest out of my siblings So I'm the oldest out of four And like I just see how that trauma Like her impact has impacted each of my siblings In a different way um, like for myself, like I've gone to therapy a couple years. I started when I was like 20 and I always recommend everyone go in there. And I know I know you also mentioned like support groups as well. I've, I'm learning that through grad school as well, like the importance of being in a support group because you're not really you feel that feeling. That I'm not really alone. But my point, like back to my point, like just seeing how the trauma is manifesting into myself, my siblings, like me and my brother, like I know before I went to therapy, I would just have. Like you mentioned like these random anger outbursts where it's just like like i don't even know why i'm angry in this moment but it's just through like just being in that in that household being in that environment being around like someone that is going through like the highs and lows and putting you through so much and and really like just it it affects you and you don't your body doesn't really realize it at that moment but when you're alone with your thoughts, you know, that's when you really just sit down and just come to the realization. So as I'm just hearing you like describe, like you're going through like your own trauma, I'm just like, I just reminding me going through my head of like my own, my own story a little bit too, you know, and it's, it's crazy how the mind really works sometimes, you know, and, and I will say just Power to you for overcoming that as well and going to support groups because I know so many people, the first step is just admitting that you need help, you know, and a lot of people struggle with that first step. Um, But just building off of like your previous answer um, when it comes to like advice. So let's say someone is going through something at home or like, like you said, like they're going through a lot of like family issues and stuff like that. What's some advice that you would give to that person? Let's say someone my age or someone your age, someone, even someone that can really relate to, you know, what's some advice that you would give them to help them overcome the fear of keeping it inside and just really just work on themselves?
1: Uh, asking for help is not weakness. It's strength. You know, um, yeah, I, I like to think of the analogy of a general who is struggling in battle, you know? Are they weak for calling in reinforcements? No. Um, it's, it's, It's really hard to use the brain that is hurting, to help your brain. (laughs) Uh, Just the the power of knowing that you're not alone and finding a place that's safe. You know, it's, it's really hard for people that were raised in environments that weren't safe, asking them to be vulnerable is like saying to a burn victim, hey, there's help, but it's back in that burning building. It's every fiber of your being is like, no, you know the therapist is going gonna, gonna to judge me. I'm going to be the worst person they've ever had, or I'm making too big of a deal with it. I just need to suck it up and uh, get over it. And I think sometimes we we just have to go through that misery of things not changing to realize I got to do something for things to to change. Um, everybody's trajectory and path is different um but one of the things you know going to thousands of support group meetings and interviewing hundreds of people for my podcast one of the things that i know for sure is while our circumstances may vary widely the core emotions that we experience inside are incredibly universal i think there's probably six basic emotions that we all struggle with you know fear anxiety you know, self-loathing you know etc cetera, etc cetera. does it really matter what envelope the feeling arrives in as much as what we're going to do with it i i don't think so
0: yeah and, and i will say like Like you said, like the feeling of like the universal feelings and stuff like that, like you said, like anxiety, fear, self-love, like as I'm hearing you just like describe that I'm just really thinking to myself as well, like moments where like I felt very anxious or even like interviewing people for podcasting as well, like moments where like they admitted like their own anxieties and stuff like that. Um, My next question, just building off of that, when it comes to like anxieties and stuff, what are ways in which like you really like sit down and help yourself, you know, when you are going or when you are feeling very anxious or like you just need to really hit like that mental reset button? Uh,
1: Sometimes taking a nap, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy helps. You know, one of the things my therapist uh, would say to me is what are the facts on the ground? And so I go to the what the facts on the ground are. I try to get in the present moment, you know. I'm never comfortable in the past or the future, it's always regret or doom, and so I just try to try to bring it into the present moment. Spirituality helps me, you know. I I do believe that there is a benevolent force in the universe um, that I can tap into. Uh, involves a, a degree of surrender and faith, um, but that that helps me make an outreach phone calls to people. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of different self-care. Um, there's a lot of different tools uh, that I uh, have at my disposal if I feel like going to them. Sometimes my tools are not ideal. Sometimes it's I'm going to play video games for eight hours so I don't have to feel. And, you know, I, and I try to be kind to myself if I have a day like that. Instead of going, you're a lazy piece of shit. The world is passing you by and you are fucking up. Um, I, I don't know anybody who's ever shamed themselves into being the person they want to be. And it took me 50 years to realize that. It took me hundreds of support group meetings talking about intimacy. Uh, because that, that negative voice in our brain has been there since we were kids. And we believe it to be the truth. and It's so easy to mistake um, meanness for uh, discipline.
0: Yeah, and I I will say, like, you're right when it comes to that. Like, I know with myself, I can be very self-critical. Like you said, like, I know you mentioned, like, playing video games for eight hours and just not being so mad at yourself for doing that. Um, And that's one of the reasons why, like, I even went to therapy, too, because like my therapist always mentions me because whenever we see each other every like once, every two weeks, he always he always asks the great questions. Therapists, they always find a way to ask the great questions, you know, and I'm telling him everything I'm doing, like what's been going on these past couple weeks. And then he sits and he's like, well, like, have you ever had a day where you just like sit and chill, you know, or do you have a day where like do you just like sit and just breathe? And I'm like, yeah, you like, like, yeah, I, I, I do. But he's like, do you really? Because, like, can you really just sit still and just relax and be okay with that? And I definitely think that is an answer that I'm still trying to find the answer to. Um, mm-hmm. But I will say, as I'm just hearing you just like describe it all and stuff like that, like, I know you've been to like a lot of support groups and stuff like that. Just continuing that conversation a little bit, when it comes to like support groups, like, Tell me your experience when it comes to that, like what are some like positives that you've gotten from it and what are some like things that you really learned from that?
1: One of the things that I learned was that my idea of what safety looked like before I got into support groups was that I had to be exceptional professionally so that I would make enough money so that I could retire, and that the attention that I would get um, would provide that safety. And I had an epiphany once I started getting into support groups. That of course I felt alone. I was trying to distance myself from everybody, and it's not that. I ever separated myself professionally and, and became exceptional but that was my goal was I had to be you know in my brain to be one of many was death and so in, in my brain I was either worse than everybody or better than everybody and in support groups I realized Safety is is in being one of many, being a part of a herd. And that doesn't mean there's nothing special about you, but it means that you increase your power going through the world because you're letting people help you and you're helping people. Um, And that was a revelation to me. uh, And that helped ease the loneliness that began to bring hope into my life and that's where i began to sense that there was a benevolent force in the universe that i could tap into i don't know how it works i don't know why there's hunger and you know murder and all this other awful stuff i don't i don't have to understand the way the world works to 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 try to find comfort during it maybe that's all that that god is is comfort in the chaos you know i don't i don't know but i do know that i can find stillness by trying to connect to that and the ways that i do that are through trying to be helpful to other people asking for help trying to be nice to myself uh, letting go of things i can't control and trying to bring principles to the things i can control and I make a ton of mistakes along the way. Um, and I try to learn from them without treating myself like shit.
0: Wow. And I will say that's just a, another spot on answer as well. And and I and I agree, like uh, when it comes to because I'm just thinking about like this, like divine being, you know, when it comes to like God and stuff like that. For me, I grew up in a in like a Catholic a Catholic like family, like my grandmom, I went to CCD, it's Catholic school for public school kids. Yeah. Um, and as I went into undergrad, and really, like, I really just got into like spirituality, you know, and just connecting to ancestors. Like, uh, I, I've done like Whenever like there's been moments where like you said like we're just very stressed and you're very just like trying to just like find yourself you know just connecting to like something spiritual you know where it's like the divine thing and for me it's like talking to my pop up like uh, I live in Delaware so like his grave is like a probably like five or ten minutes down the road so whenever I am stressed like I I sometimes I even pour like a glass of wine and just see at his grave you know and we're just talking and oh, just giving wow, him like a so cool. yeah like a glass of wine and stuff like that. So as I was just hearing you like describe that, I'm just like, yeah, like maybe that is what God is, you know, like it, cause God, the meaning of God could be, is so different between everybody because humans are yeah. so different, you know? So I'm just hearing that, I'm just like, yeah, like maybe that is my version, like talking to family, talking to ancestors, you know, and just like connecting after just like a long, stressful day, you know,
1: mm-hmm. whatever brings you peace and stillness in the middle of the storm doesn't matter what it's called
0: yeah Yeah, you're definitely right on that one um so continuing a little bit i know we talked a lot about like work we talked a lot about like self-care and your spiritual journey through like self-discovery and stuff like that let's talk relationships a little bit so like when it comes to like friendships and also like romantic relationships what are some qualities that you really look for when it comes to finding like friends and also finding like loved ones
1: Well, I heard somebody say in a support group once, be the person you want to meet. And that is definitely, uh, you know, a lifelong pursuit for me, Um, you know, meaning moving forward, because I was not the person I wanted to meet. Uh, I was married for a long time, and I was not a good husband. And I definitely have shame and regrets about that. Um, I'm in a relationship now. I have a girlfriend, we've been together three years. And, and I'd like to think that I'm a, I'm a good boyfriend and that I've, I've changed and I'm um, more trustworthy, more compassionate. Um, and, I, and, and I think I am, I think I still have Some intimacy fears, Um, you know, I don't know if I ever want to live with somebody again or if I want to get married, I don't think I do, and I'm okay with that. You know, I said that up front when we first started going out because I really like living on my own. And how much of that is healthy autonomy and how much of that is fear of intimacy? I love monogamy. and that hasn't always been the case. Uh, and it wasn't until I began to deal with the issues around my mom that I began to be more um, comfortable with the idea of monogamy and, and commitment, even though uh, I don't want to live with somebody. Um, Yeah, having difficult conversations is a cornerstone of intimacy and it took practice for me to be able to find the right words at the right time and the right tone of voice to be intimate with somebody, especially on things that we disagreed with or something that made me uncomfortable or hearing criticism from them. to not escalate it, to let them have their feelings um, without trying to, to change them or control them. Um, to learn how to apologize when I'm wrong. The All of those things, whether it's a friend or a romantic partner, those have all been things that I have had to learn, but they've. I, I, I don't have tolerance in my life for. People that are toxic or unsafe. I keep them at arm's length or I avoid them. I don't try to change them. Um, I don't, I don't let people walk over me. uh, Support groups have helped me realize what a healthy relationship look like and trust me there's a lot of people in support groups that are unhealthy that I avoid or keep at arm's length or set boundaries with. But Um, It, I didn't know what a sense of safety was until I experienced it and it's a great feeling. I don't think, I don't think we can experience, uh, truly experience peace and safety until, uh, peace and stillness until we can find a place in the world where where we feel safe
0: yeah and and i and i and I completely agree when it comes to that answer like I know for me like it really when it comes to like relationships, I remember going through like my own personal relationship and i'm I've been dating for three years now um for me before I moved out of my house, like my girlfriend told me like it was when it came to like me being like present. Or like me like really like communicating how is it that I feel or really like understanding like the relationship more. Like it took me to move out of the house where I'm in an area now where I moved out on my own and I'm safe, you know, like I like I'm I'm able to process my feelings more. I, I'm not so much as being like the family therapist. I'm I'm here in the present moment. Like, uh just really hearing your answer, like, she really gave, like, a really good advice. She was like, yeah, ever since, like, you moved out, like, you've really been more present. You've been more aware, you know, and that really just drives your point home, you know, of, of you don't really, you can't really be in a relationship with other people or you don't you don't really understand other people unless, like, you are in a safe space yourself, you know, there's. Yeah. There's needs that everybody has, the need for security, need for like safety, obviously, like food as well as a huge, another like basic need, you know? So as I'm just hearing that, I'm just like, yeah, like that really just, that's a really good point and that's a really solid point. Like, you really have to feel safe amongst yourself first before you really can like be in a relationship or understand what is it that you want in a relationship and and i will say that was some really good advice paul that you really gave and stuff like that Mm. thank you but yeah so continuing a little bit i know when it comes to relationships i know you've definitely like experienced a lot when it comes to like your own self-discovery in relationships and figuring out what is it that you need and want Um, What's some advice that you would really give to somebody that is going through like relationship intimacy or is having like that intimacy block, you know, and um, what's some advice that you would give to him and her to help them really get over that?
1: Uh, I would say um, be willing to have difficult conversations and really try to learn to share things from what it is that you're feeling rather than attacking what that person is doing. You know, rather than saying, you know, you always do this or you're being an asshole say, you know, when this happened, I felt really disrespected because somebody, you know, uh, it's hard to, to disagree with what somebody is feeling. You may not understand it, but you're not cornering that person. You're giving them a chance to come meet you halfway. because there's a vulnerability in saying you know here's what i'm here's what i'm feeling um not to be confused with i feel like you're being an asshole. that's not describing a a feeling um and the other thing that's really important about that not only are you you know standing up for yourself and being vulnerable and giving that that, that person uh, a, a chance to respond, you're putting the ball in their court to reveal their character by how they respond to that. And if you're in a relationship with somebody where every time you share your feelings and you kind of diplomatically come together and that person doesn't wanna change, doesn't wanna hear any of it, well, that gives you a lot of information about whether or not you wanna be in a relationship with that person. And then you can make an educated guess as to whether you know or educated decision about whether or not you want to continue to be in a relationship with that person but if all you're ever coming up you know coming at them with is you're so selfish you know you're you're so this um you're you're turning it into a fight rather than a, a conversation
0: yeah, and, and I I completely agree when it when it comes to that, like how that person responds to you like really opening up and communicating in a healthy way, like how is it that I feel? Um I definitely think a lot of like trauma and a lot, like a lot of people that experience a lot of like their parents arguing a lot younger, you know, or like if your parents have been like unhealthy when it comes to the way how they communicate, you know, kids pick up on everything. Oh. And I I know through like my own personal examples, my friends' examples, like when it comes to like arguments, like you a lot of I feel like a lot of people don't realize this. Like it's okay to disagree on things as well you know so like it just like does it like obviously like when you communicate your feelings the person is supposed to understand and like you guys are able to supposed to have a normal conversation but like I'm just adding like even in moments where like there is like a disagreement you know like you might like this and yeah and your partner might like this you know being able to have just a simple like normal disagreement I think like it I know from like my, my, like all around my life, you know, it's just like, I feel like that's something that a lot of people just struggle with is like, it's okay to disagree in a healthy way, you know, instead of shouting back and blowing up and turning into an argument. change them. Yes. I mean, there yeah.
1: is no better way to make yourself insane than saying, you know, it's up to me to change this person. All you can do is express your feelings and see how they respond.
0: Yeah. And and I just completely agree. As as I was just hearing your answer, I was just like, yeah, like I'm just remembering moments of just like disagreement. And it's just like a simple conversation just turns into this big, just like blow up. And all of a sudden now it's, it turns into this big snowball effect and it just builds and builds and builds. And then now all of a sudden it's, it's spilling over and it's affecting everyone for a longer period of time than, than normally, you know, than what it's supposed to take, you know, um, but yeah, just continuing a little bit. I know we talked a lot about relationships, mental health, and I really appreciate you coming on, Paul, and I've really enjoyed our conversation so far. Um, but just having like a quick little transition, this podcast, I do add a little astrology aspect to it as well. Mm-hmm. Do you know, when it comes to astrology, uh, how much do you really know about it? And, Not and uh,
1: <laughs> I know I'm a Capricorn, and that's where it ends.
0: Okay, I got you. Yeah, so so like when it comes to like understanding like who you are, like that is your sun sign. So you are a Capricorn to your core, and with Capricorns, they're very hardworking. They always have a plan.
1: Oh, maybe I'm another sign.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, of course. Um, and and definitely like we can really get that conversation going. But um, when it comes to like your own chart, there's a lot of other signs to that. So your sun sign is who you are to your core. Um, Your moon sign, so you you usually, like, I have guests, like, they'll fill out their report, you know, like, you just need, like, their birthday, birth time, and when they were born and stuff like that, and, but, like, you get your whole chart, and, like, your moon sign is, like, your how you process things emotionally. Mm. Um, Your Mercury is your communication style, how you communicate with people. Your Venus is like your love language. Like, who do you usually attract, or like, what qualities really attract you? And then your um, rising sign—it's like ASC on some charts. That's like your first impressions on people. So, who do you peer as to others? Um, If you want, I can—I can literally. If you, if you, if you want to like, just message me real quick, I can just Google like a chart or something and tell you uh, what is it that maybe your moon sign could be or something like that.
1: <laughs> like right now or, or later?
0: I mean, you can do it right now or later. It's up to you. It's whatever It's whatever yeah. you're feeling.
1: Well, uh, you know what? Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll send it to you and, and we'll do it later because I do want to try to get some writing uh, mm-hmm. done today.
0: Okay, I got you. Yeah, of course. And that'll be, that'll be something fun that we can really talk about and stuff like that. But, yeah, Paul, before we wrap everything up, is there anything else that you would really like to share on this podcast or something else that you really would like to talk about? I,
1: I don't. I don't. Um, you know, I suppose what they say in my support groups, if nothing changes, nothing changes. Yeah. and if you're feeling stuck, try changing something.
0: I like that point a lot. And, and I will say, Paul, uh, I really appreciated you coming on this podcast and stuff like that. Where can everybody follow you on social media and, um, uh, and all at, that fun stuff?
1: At, at MentalPod. Um, and the website for the podcast is uh, MentalPod.com. And it's called the Mental Illness Happy Hour.
0: Perfect. Yeah. And, and all the links will be on um, the podcast below and, and I'll put it in the show description and stuff like that. But yeah, Paul, I will say I had a great time talking to you and I really enjoyed your insight and just like your overall advice overall, Paul. And and I'm really just wanted to say like hearing like your story and stuff, it's really inspiring. And I'm, and I'm glad that you're able to podcast and just inspire so many other people.
1: Oh, thanks, Josh. I appreciate it. It was a pleasure talking to you.